0: Don't forget, after the service, help out our Vacation Bible School, as well as taking a chance to uh, emphasize our prayer life. They have down on a wall between the nursery area and the orange desk, a wall that's set aside for prayer requests. So just go to the orange desk after the service, and they'll help you get a little piece of paper and fill that out, and they'll put that on the wall for the children to pray over all week this week at Vacation Bible School. Well, with our series, we're focusing on the care and feeding of sheep. And uh, next week, Pastor Dick is going to uh, focus upon how mercy triumphs over judgment. And Today, as we continue that that series and and focus on what it means, we need to remember that the inspiration for the series begins with the risen Lord talking to the disciple Peter, who's not quite an apostle yet, not quite ready for that yet. And remember, Peter has denied Jesus three times. And so Jesus asks him three times, Do you love me? And Peter responds affirmatively and gets a little more irritated each time the question's asked. And every time that he answers, Yes, Lord, Jesus comes back with, Feed my sheep. So if we're to be a follower and believer in Jesus Christ, We need to live that call out and feed our sheep. Today we're focusing upon prayer as an important part of feeding the Lord's sheep. And prayer's not easy. Prayer takes a lot of faith. Uh, If you're like me, I'm a doer. I like to see results. And when you pray, you don't always get those results, especially immediately. The reality is that we serve an invisible God whose ways are sometimes mysterious and whose purposes at times cannot be seen for a lifetime. And so, doubt can creep in. and When that doubt creeps in from different spots, sometimes it causes us to not be as diligent as we know we should or even want to be when we pray. And Sometimes those doubts are the fact that if we've prayed long enough, things don't always get answered the way we would like. I remember having a Friend, uh, this was in high school, and when I was in high school, you know, I had all the answers. I, I had life figured out. I was zealous. I was enthusiastic, and and I invited John to come to our early morning Bible study. You believe a high school Bible study led by our youth group? We had one of those, and John jumped in, and he was gung ho. He was reading his Bible. He had not gone to church previously, so this was all a new thing to him, and he was excited. John happened to be on the track team with me, and We were on our way to a track meet at a school that was uh, pretty far away, and he was telling me that he had been praying to God, and he was praying that God would help him to win the 800-meter race. John was a pretty good runner. I thought that might be possible. I kind of scratched my head at that kind of prayer. So we had our track meet, and John came in second. He just barely missed first place, just got nosed out. On the way back, John said, God wasn't there for me. I said, John, didn't you get a PR? Didn't you run that faster than you'd ever run before? And he said, yes, but I prayed to win, and I didn't win. I said, John, do you think God had anything to do with you running the fastest time you've ever run that race in your life? But it didn't work for him. And John quit coming to Bible study. I don't know what happened to his faith. Now, that's an immature faith, we know. But for some people, that's how they see prayer. It's like a magic potion to get them what they want in life. And where doubt becomes even more of an issue for us, it's it's when we've prayed for those things that might be considered more legitimate, things that you know God would want. Praying for someone who's fighting cancer way too young. Praying for a family who's experienced a tragic accident praying for peace in this world which is full of terrorism and very disturbed individuals. And when we pray and we don't get those answers, then we wonder, is is God really there? Does, Does God listen somehow to all the concerns and hopes, prayers of six billion people on this earth? How does that happen? So with that confusion and those doubts, some of which we'll always have, I think this passage is helpful to us. It shares some things that I think are really understanding and gives us a sense of when we pray, this is what we can expect. And what I want us to hear more than anything today is to put this passage into its proper historical context. And I think you hear these words in a different way. Because when we say, we read these words, ask and you shall receive, Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. It's like when we pray, we should get whatever we want if we have enough faith or if we pray just the right way or if we're good enough. But that's not how Jesus intends these words. If we put this into context, we realize he is preaching to people on the Sermon on the Mount, right? We know about where the Sermon on the Mount was. It's near Capernaum. It's by the Sea of Galilee. And the people who would have gathered to hear that sermon would have been the villagers, the peasants, mostly uneducated, in the province of Galilee, far away from Jerusalem, which is the religious center of that nation. Jerusalem was where most Jews believed that God was present in a very special way. It's where the temple priests were, which most people believed mediated the presence and power of God. And so the people that were coming to hear Jesus' sermon would not feel that God would pay a whole lot of attention to the things that they would say. God would not hear their prayers like the Pharisees. They don't have the time to know the law like they know. They don't have the chance but maybe to go to Jerusalem once a year at the Passover to experience that special presence of God. And that didn't help a whole lot with day-to-day living. It's to those people that Jesus said, Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and that door will be open to you. Jesus, instead of trying to narrow things, is trying to broaden and say that prayer is not for the professionals, it is for everybody and anybody. And that's the message he wants us to hear. And a few things to add to that I think are helpful as we consider how we should pray. And the first thing is shared by Dr. Philip Malarty. He says that, you know, we have to be careful keeping these scripture references in context. But he suggests to us that that when we do, that it's probably safe to go back just one chapter, to Matthew chapter 6 from today's passage. It's in the same Sermon on the Mount, and we find these words. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. He suggests that we can take that kingdom and plug it into... Those words we heard today. And and so you could actually interpret it. Ask and the kingdom will be given to you. Seek and you will find the kingdom. Knock and the door to the kingdom will be opened. And so does that mean that when we pray that we always have to make sure we pray for godly things? No, it means that God's only going to give you those things, those purposes that fit into the realm of his kingdom. If it's not good for you, if it's not good for others, if it's not good for his ultimate purposes, you're likely not going to get that answer that you want if those are opposed to his ways. And then if we look carefully at the verb tense in this passage, we discover something that I think is helpful as well. The Greek language is a very precise language. And the commands that are shared in the seventh verse here or what you'd grammatically call the imperative mood. And with the imperative mood, you've got two options. You've got the aorist, which is kind of past tense, in which you would say something like, shut the door. Something happens at one point in time, and it's done. Or if it's in the present tense, it means it's a continuous action whose results continue. So keep shutting the door is another way you might say it. And all the verbs that are in this seventh verse are in the present imperative. And so a proper way to translate as a matter of fact, William Barclay translates it this way keep on asking and it will be given you. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and it will be opened to you. So the primary purpose in Jesus' words is to suggest persistence. It's not about praying exactly the right way. It's not having the right formula. It's not that you have to have a certain level of faith before you get what you want. It's just be persistent. Continue to do it over and over. Be faithful and trust in God to grant what you need if you're persistent. And then don't miss the the little mini parable that's in this passage. Those words in which Jesus says that... uh, what, what parent would, would give you a stone instead of bread? And what parent would, would give you a snake instead of fish? He's trying to suggest to us that when we pray, we're not praying to some immovable force. We're praying to a God who loves us like a parent. Now, I don't know about you, but with my kids, I'm a pushover. Anybody else like that? All they have to do is ask, and I'm there just as soon as I can get my bag packed. If they need some money, and they ask, not a problem. And believe me, they have. But also along with that is the understanding that God, if he's like a parent, means that sometimes a parent has to say no, right? Nobody likes being around with those spoiled children who get whatever they want, whenever they want. Or he has to say, not yet, because the timing's not right for you or for someone else or for the purposes of the kingdom. And I'm still trying to decide if God says, we'll see. Have you ever used that one as a parent? I think I use that one a lot. Always bought me time to think through what they want. I don't know, that's a good theological question. Should have put that on the faith first. But God is like that heavenly parent. He's not going to give us something that's harmful to us or dangerous to us or not helpful for the good of the kingdom. But you know the most important thing in this, and I think the biggest reason why Jesus suggests this kind of persistence in our prayer, it's not so, about, so much about getting what we want. It's about the more we pray, The more we lean our hearts into God, the more we seek, the more we ask, the more we keep knocking at the door, the more that our heart gets shaped and formed into the heart of God. The more His ways become our way. The more His mind becomes our mind. Now I experienced this recently. It happened to be on my birthday. Two of my four kids came up to help me celebrate my birthday. And as a a reenactment of what I often did on vacation, they came up with a full itinerary of what we do throughout the day. Matter of fact, I found this slipped under my door in my bedroom the morning of. With a full itinerary, report to kitchen for breakfast, 8.15 to 8.45. Leave house at 8.45. Main event, 9.30 to 12. Well, that main event, I didn't know what it was going to be. I got in the car and we rode out to the west side of Indianapolis. We ended up in Eagle Creek Park and it turned out it was to be a treetop adventure. Well, that's a great choice. That's my kind of thing to do. And so we went through our training, learned how to put those double safety harness buckles on and we were all trained up, went to the first thing, which was pretty much a warm up and then we were ready for that second, second adventure. Way up in the trees, a few rope type challenges and then a zip line down. Well, There was, our group was about six with our family. We happened to be behind a rather large group that had a lot of youth in it, probably about 12, 15 people, and so we kind of had to wait, and that was okay, not in a big hurry. Then the wait got kind of long. It got especially long because there was one young man who was all harnessed up, ready to go down the zip line, and he couldn't get up the courage to go, and, you know, that was okay. We are patient. But then that five minutes becomes ten minutes. The adults in that group are trying to coach him on. They're giving him all kinds of advice. Try this, try that. All he's got to do is just push off the platform. It'll take care of the rest. got double harnesses and everything. He should be good to go. But he just can't get up the courage. And so by this time, I'm getting a little annoyed. It's my birthday after all. I mean, come on. And up there looking at him, and it's become 15 minutes standing here in that harness. And as I'm looking there, being annoyed, starting to get a little angry, all of a sudden God hit me with a memory of all the times I've directed a church camp down at Camping Nicoso, And we had a challenge course. Now, granted, it was just a few feet off the ground, but we did the same kind of thing of coaching kids along to try to do something that just took a little bit of faith to do urging them on, because I knew when they did, they would build that self-esteem, they'd feel that empowerment, and what a gift that could be from God. And all of a sudden, that hostility I was experiencing became prayer for that young man. Now, I know it's just a coincidence, but at the very moment I started praying for that young man, he took off and went down that zip line. I don't think that coincidence was for him, I think it was for me. I think God was humbling me to say, Jerry, you should have been praying for him all along. Now, I think that's the most important thing about prayer. I do believe that somehow God amazingly, in a way I cannot understand, mysteriously takes what's in our hearts and moves that towards whatever person is in need and and strengthens their spirit. I don't know how he does it, but I believe he does it. But the most important thing that happens is if we're persistent... God changes us. With that, I'll turn it over to Pastor Dick.
1: On occasion, I've heard a uh, teaching, a very spiritual teaching, I think, that goes like this. And I quote, If you really have faith, all you have to do is ask once and then trust God. To ask again, is a sign of unbelief, that God didn't hear you the first time. Well, that all sounds very pious, certainly, but it is diametrically opposed to a clear teaching that Jesus gave us. And that is that we are to ask and to go on asking until we receive. This is not a sign of unbelief, as Jesus tells us. It's a sign of faith. That we keep going back. Indeed if we don't continue to ask. Jesus asks when the son of man will come. Will he find faith on the earth. Found in Luke 18. Faith consists of asking until we get an answer. Since we believe strongly that God will. Give us what we seek. I remember a sermon once that was preached here by uh, Pastor Bill Belmore several years ago, and he made this very point. He made the point that if we fervently request something of God, we should ask for it fervently in prayer and then turn it over to God and not worry about it. But that in itself, too, is an act of faith. We give it over to God, and then we no longer have to worry about it. So I think they run in a parallel. But an interesting story I'll share with you that happened recently. Our oldest daughter, Pam, is uh, Deputy State Health Commissioner for Indiana. And in some realignment in in her office and her division, uh, she was recently talking to a co-worker who was troubled. And this woman uh, was a friend of hers as well as a co-worker in her mid-50s. And she had been feeling a tug to go out of that work and go into something new and different, something else in her life for which she felt God was giving her a purpose. And she asked Pam if Pam thought that she was too old to leave her present position and pursue something else that she had felt a tug to do. The woman had been praying fervently about a direction for her life, and she's in midlife, of course. And Pam said, no, you're not too old let me tell you about my dad. I wondered about her trying to keep it spiritual, but it it worked. So she began to tell the story about my years in the wholesale and retail grocery business, and Luke Kenley can attest to that. But I had gone through one downsizing after another and I finally took a pause at one point and decided I've got to figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. I was 53. So I did so. And as I prayed and searched, I got involved with the church here uh, in a very active way. And I began attending and helping administratively, and teaching. Finally went back to school as I felt a tug to go into ministry. And I completely changed careers at 53 years of age. The woman just looked at Pam and started crying. She said to Pam, this is what I needed to hear. She says, I have felt the call to go into jail ministry and I wondered if I was too old. So she got the answer by her persistence in prayer. No, she was not too old to do this. God called her to fill a need because of her persistence and sincerity in prayer. He heard her cry and he gave her an answer. God revealed to her which fork in the road to take. Let us pray together. Loving God, we thank you that we can form a relationship with you through prayer, and that is what you want of us most of all. So we answer your request of us as we go to you in prayer each day. Hear us, we ask you, and help us to listen for your response. Above all, help us to be patient with your response, for we know that through you, All good things come to pass.